All right, we are here Wednesday. Oh, we're here at Wednesday noon time. It's twelve o'clock on June. What is this? June sixteen. Raven is here, and we had a ton of stuff happen today in the NBA this morning. Um, it's actually pretty funny because <laughs> this morning I was planning to do a solo pod just talking about last night's game, Milwaukee and Brooklyn. We'll we'll get into it after after this little intro here, but I wanted to do like a short pod this morning talking about CP3's uh career arc. And I thought, you know, it, it's pretty fitting knowing that this guy's about to be in the Western Conference Finals. He has the potential to play his former team in the LA Clippers, a team where um, you know, he had a good amount of success just because of certain circumstances and things like that, you know, blowing a 3-2 lead in 2015 or 3-1 lead in 2015 against the Rockets, uh, Lob City, all that stuff, all the beef that's gone on. Um, And then his career with James Harden, those two years in the Rockets, having horrible luck uh, in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors, even throughout his, his career as a small point guard in the mid 2000s finishing second mvp in 2008 um having so much success as a point guard have being the last few kind of floor general small point guards we have in this league and then we just get hit with him being in code protocols this morning um i just wanted to it was going to be like a nice chill wednesday today we had two really big playoff games tonight we have the Jazz and the Clippers and then the the Sixers Hawks game. But now after this morning, everything just just went to shambles. I don't know. Um I think let's just start out with last night. Let's start with last night, Raven. Um KD, historic performance, 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. I mean before we go into the Milwaukee side of this whole thing, like <laughs> the the KD side of it, it, I was just in awe watching him play um, last night. I don't know what are, what are your kind of initial thoughts, or I guess not not even initial thoughts, but just still thinking about it last night. Um, it, it was crazy to see KD at that level again. Yeah, like I don't know. This is like probably one of the first big games I've seen. From KD, especially, especially since um, he had that injury from in the Warriors a couple of seasons back, and a lot of people were speculating like, like, how, like coming back from those injuries, you don't know how they'll be be again, how they'll play, um, if they'll even be back to the same level that they were before. But like just watching last like last night's game, um, even though Harden was back, uh, there, no Kyrie though, um, like. He literally just put the team on his back. I think like he had he hit like a really clutch shot at the end of the end of the fourth quarter where I think shot clock was winding down. James Harden had the ball, passed it to him last minute, and it was like an off balance shot and just like just drained it. And I don't know, like that was such an like that was a very all time performance from KD, and like I'm still I'm still buzzing about it. And yeah, we'll talk about the Bucks in a little bit and what they did, but I think. What Kevin Durant did that game was just like nothing short of spectacular. 
Yeah, like like you said, that was an all time performance. Like, uh, Katie, it, it was just great to see just because him coming off the Achilles and just missing so many games, given this circumstance where you don't have a Kyrie, you have. I don't know what percent Harden was at. I mean, he had like five points total last night. He physically just, I haven't seen Harden that physically uh, hobbled. I, I don't know, probably for his whole career. Like he was just pretty much on one leg. He was one for 10 over eight from three. Um, It's crazy that he, his plus, my, well, I mean, he was playing with a lot with Katie. So that's probably his, why his plus minus was at four, but we can't forget about Jeff Green. Jeff Green, seven for eight from three, eight from eleven. He pulled out his Clay Thompson bag out of out of nowhere, and I mean, you you needed a performance from someone else. Like if it was just KD tonight, they wouldn't have won. Um, even with all the tomfoolery, uh, the Bucks were were doing. Um, but I think that's enough about Kevin Durant. Let let's let's talk about the Bucks because. What I saw last night, I don't know if I'm overreacting to this, but what I saw last night was one of, if not the uh, poorest coaching, poorly coached games, probably the most poorly coached game I've ever seen. Um you could go down the line and it's not just a, it's not just because Giannis fumbled a pass at the end of the game. It's not just, be, it's not because of that. Cause they lost. They, there's so many things um, that they did that coach bud was willing to do, not even willing to not do, but just willing to do throughout the whole game, whether that's never put Giannis on Katie once, never even try to double him. Um, continually, using drop coverage with Brooke Lopez. I was screaming. I was about to scream at my TV. Like I'm not even a Bucks fan, but I was just like screaming, like get Brooke off the floor. Like I, I, I don't have, there's no excuse for how coach bud managed this game. And if you look at the stats, uh, I mean, they weren't that bad. I mean, Giannis had statistically, statistically, he had a really great game, 14 for 22. He hit 50% of his threes, two for four, um, 12 boards, four assists, steal, two blocks, all that stuff. And yet there was never a point in that second half when the Nets were making their run where I felt confident that the Bucks could overcome whatever, Nets, whatever the Nets were doing in the second half. Um, I don't know. What, what were your kind of thoughts about Coach Bud last night? I think a lot of the criticisms criticisms made like against Coach Bud, like prior to this, even prior to the series, and even like in the prior seasons, kind of like turned its like ugly head and like turned the like knob up to like a hundred. Like just watching how, like, especially in the second half, when how they were like running their offense and their defense, I think like I agree, like Brooke Lopez should not have played in those like last minutes. Personally, I think Giannis should play center um, just because his shooting is not there, like, at all, like, especially his free throws or if he, like, tries to take a three-pointer. Like, it's 
like his offense, like his his jump shot and his like shot form is not there where he can be consistent enough to like score and keep defenses honest in the perimeter. Um, yeah, I agree with with KD, especially with Harden hurt. There's not really another person that the Nets offense is gonna go through. Like like even if Harden is there, like they may maybe like the defenses will try to like at least be honest with him just so they just in case something might happen, but. As, you were, as I was watching the game, like, Harden was definitely hurt. And they definitely, I feel like they rushed him to try to at least, like, give some life to the Nets. But it was it was mainly, like, everything was just running running through the rant. And then, like, like luckily, like, the Nets had a good game in Jeff Green, like you said, like, hitting those three-pointers. But I think with the for the Bucks, like, it was just, I don't know. Like, I, I can't imagine being a Bucks fan right now and, like, just being, like, happy with what, what they saw, like, even even with yeah, Durant's like great game, they still had a lot of chances where they could have just at least made this game, uh, made this series three um, one, and potentially ending it in Milwaukee. But I don't. Even though they choke, I, like I really think that they choke this game. But I don't think it's over for the for the Bucks. But it all has to do with how they adjust to Game Six and Game Six and Seven. Um, Durant, Durant's going to be Durant. He's still going to have a really good game. Maybe not as good as this all-time performance last night, but the net, the uh, not the Nets, the Bucks can still mitigate like his dam, like the damage that KD can make. But it all just depends on how Coach Bud like, goes through these next two games. It, it's incredible because uh, <laughs> it it shouldn't have taken us to really explode on coach button and the bucks like it, it shouldn't have taken five games of this series to really make him think like like if if the previous four games didn't make him want to adjust um i don't know how we can get to this point and still not feel confident he'll make a, a ton of changes like so let's look at this. If 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 we're Bucks fans, let, let, let's look at it like that. Um, they needed an all-time perform KD performance, right? We don't know if if he has another one in him, but he certainly has the capability to do that. Like we we wouldn't be surprised if uh, KD comes out game six. Maybe Harden's a little healthier. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's the same way. It wouldn't surprise me if Kevin Durant comes out. 35 to 40 points, same, same level of just mastery of controlling the game. And I mean, you put, you give him a game like that an all time great like that. Who says, who thinks he's not going to come out in game six with the same amount of energy, same amount of just willingness to make every play. I mean, yeah, they needed a, an all time Jeff green performance, but who says Joe Harris can't come out game six? He's been shooting poorly the last couple of games. Um, Blake Griffin was was really good last night. Um, Bruce Brown might make more of an impact. I mean, James Harden played 46 minutes on a hobbled hamstring, and he was still making passes. He was making reads. He was making the Bucks kind of play on their heels for most of the time. Um, I don't know. It's... It's pretty. It's pretty crazy, and just knowing that the Bucks made all these moves, uh, Drew Holiday, 
um, had a pretty rough end of the fourth quarter there. Like you said, Giannis, he, he's a center. And when they got PJ Tucker, I thought that's exactly what they were kind of moving towards was that, okay, now we could put a guy who can guard fours and fives like PJ Tucker has been doing for the Rockets the last couple of seasons. We could put Giannis at the five. PJ could be a little stretched four. He could shoot from the corners. He's really efficient from there. And then you got Drew, Chris Middleton, and another guard. Um, it's not Dante because he's he's injured now, but Probably Pat or yeah, Connaughton, yeah, Bryn Forbes, one of those guys. Um, I think Connaughton was really good last night. Um, he made a couple of plays in the second quarter, but then he just wasn't there uh, for the second half. And you have that formula, and it'll keep Giannis closer to the basket. How many times last night, or how many times in the series, where Giannis brings? He's like, okay, okay, ten <laughs> seconds left. Let, let me bring the ball back, back towards half court. Oh let me get a running start, and then Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, whoever draws a charge. Yeah, they they just guess right. And it's easy to guess right on Giannis. He only has a right hand. Yeah. So you know he's going right, and then a charge call. How many times have you seen that throughout this series? It's it's frustrating to see, just as an NBA fan and knowing how talented this guy is. And I don't know. It, it's like it's like having Steph Curry and being like, okay, it's Steph, post up, like post up, or like like Steph Curry, like just stand in the corner. Yeah, which is fine, but it's like you need him like moving off ball. You need him, yeah. you need him dribbling. You need him making moves. Um, it's I don't want to talk now. I'm just pissed, but it's no, like no, no. it's it's it. I I don't know how much faith I have in this Bucks team, even with all the things that's going wrong for the Nets health wise, mm-hmm. like because of Katie's performance last night, and because they're only one win away, um when you let a team hang around like the Bucks did last night, even though the Nets aren't per se underdogs, but when you give a team like that who are basically on their heels, backs against the wall, if you give them more life, give them more opportunity to believe that, okay, we could win this series, then it just puts more pressure on the Bucks, puts more pressure on the peop- on the team that's that has the advantage. And now we're asking this Bucks team who has had two straight playoff collapses to yeah. overcome um, two, you know, winner go home games for them. And mm. uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know yeah. if I've, if I'm overacting, but I've kind of lost faith in this coach bud yeah. Bucks team. I think, I think that, yeah, we've seen it. You've seen it from the past, the past two seasons or yeah, like with, I think, yeah, 20, 2019, when they had a two-o lead against the Rap, yeah, two-o lead against the Raptors, and then they got gentlemen swept in the end by, um, by Toronto, and then last year in the bubble where they just got obliterated by the Heat, um, and they were just exposed like offensively. Like it's it's weird because say with just how like this this whole season is going and like injuries and stuff like that, like I, I felt like the Bucks at least had the biggest chance of making it out of the East into the finals. But at the same time, like with how Bud has been coaching this team, um, it's, it's really hard for them to 
at least get to like where they're supposed to be with how he's running the offense and then how he's trying to utilize Giannis. Um, I definitely, it's if if they don't make it out of the Eastern Conference, I I could see um, I could see Bud being fired, but like I don't know. I, I feel like it's just been a long time coming, and especially when you sign Giannis to like a five year a five year extension, and you're not able to show like any promise, like it's it's gonna look bad on like the organization. They need a total switch up. Um... I don't think they're making the finals this year and coach bud will be fired for sure because the front office is not just going to let it, like, if you run the same team again next year, it's just not going to happen. Um, it, it's been way too long. And I was listening to another podcast this morning and, and one of the hosts said that this bucks team reminds them of like the lob city Clippers, uh, <laughs> which, which makes a lot of sense. Like, those that Lob City Clippers team might have been the most talented team in the West those those years, um, especially from those two years, 2014, 2015, um, before the Warriors kind of went on that, that crazy run. They were that next Western team and just couldn't really get over the hump. Uh, they won plenty of games the regular season and in the playoffs it's just not gonna it just doesn't translate as well um but let's move on because we have a lot of other stuff to talk about from this morning let's start out with the first news six hours ago early in the morning uh shams tweeted phoenix suns all nba guard chris paul's entered covid19 health and safety protocols and is sidelined for this indefinite for an indefinite period of time um they never mentioned what the incident was that put him into safety, safety, uh, health and protocols. Uh, they never mentioned that this is a 10 day to 14 day, uh, I guess period where he's going to be out. And it's kind of a mystery. We'll probably learn more details of what happened, uh, probably later today or throughout the rest of the week. But they also said that per the Suns, they reported that the next update for Chris Paul is going to be on Saturday. That's three days from now. And this is just really weird. I don't know what to really think of this. I was talking to a friend this morning and, and he said uh, that he thinks that he tested positive for COVID because I don't think there's another scenario where he would have to miss games unless he was, unless the situation was really, really dire and it makes a lot of sense. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I think he did test positive. Cause I, I saw like a, I saw a tweet from like an like Arizona sports, like beat writer. And he said he did have a positive test. Mm um so and i think that would make sense because especially like if it's indefinite then um i think that's what happened i remember that's what happened to schroeder in the lakers i think he he was out indefinite he was out for like a couple weeks because of the covid protocol um i think i I think when lebron when lebron had that uh when he had that part like that i think like that party or whatever 
Um, they, he he didn't have to miss games because I, I think he I think then there was no reports that he tested positive. But I think at least I'm not I'm not like a vaccine expert. I'm not like a COVID expert, so I'm not gonna <laughs> try to like go in depth in it. But if he is vaccinated, then it can I think it's supposed to like at least like mitigate the effects of having it. But I don't know about the virality. So so yeah. So what I understand is that the vaccine more or less uh, prevents you from showing symptoms. Yeah. You can be vaccinated and still theoretically test positive for yeah. the for the um, for COVID. You just won't be having symptoms or anything like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I don't know if. <clears throat> excuse me i don't know if cp3 uh was vaccinated i'm guessing he probably was just just my mm-hmm. guess he probably was vaccinated but i don't know for sure it just i want to know um uh, it's just weird it, it, it's just weird uh it's not it's not a good look uh because well the only explanation is that he did test positive and hopefully um, it gets shortened because he's vaccinated and hopefully maybe this Clippers jazz series can go to a game seven. A game seven would be uh Sunday. Um, if it goes to seven. Um, but this just sucks because also this is the MBPA president and uh, they're not letting him play. So I don't know. It just, it, it's just more of a, another, part of this morning where it's just like such a big head scratcher. Um, but speaking of jazz Clippers, they they have game five tonight. And again, my colony is out, but the biggest news coming from this morning is that Kawhi Leonard is expected to miss game five against jazz tonight with a knee injury suffered in game four. That was six hours ago. And then two hours later, sham suites, Clippers forward Kawhi Leonard suffered a right knee sprain out indefinitely. So now it's like, okay, knee sprain. And then two hours later, again, Clippers fear Kawhi has suffered an ACL injury. Sources tell the athletic stadium. He's out indefinitely. So doesn't say torn ACL, which makes a lot of sense because he ended up still playing that game. He, I don't recall the play where Kawhi got hurt, but um apparently okay per ramona shelbourne more imaging needs to be done to determine the severity of the injury but that will have to take place after swelling subsides sources so he's it's swelling it's definitely a knee sprain it's definitely something with his knee it's an acl injury it's it's not torn but it's something there all we know is that he's out indefinitely he's probably out for the foreseeable future um this sucks but for for the people tweeting about um, that this is because of the shortened off season, it's not. It's just not like Kawhi Leonard has been missing games throughout the entire season. Uh, freak injuries like this happen every playoffs. Uh, we just saw Kyrie land on Giannis's foot like a couple days ago. Stuff like this happens. In 2016, Steph slips 
on the floor in Houston and his knee like hits the floor and he's out with a sprained MCL. So again, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> like uh, it, th- this news like really hurt me just because I kind of wanted to see the Clippers face the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Um, it's another cursed year for the Clippers again. As much as NBA Twitter and the masses love to kind of clown on the Clippers, it, it kind of it, it's definitely unfortunate because Kawhi Leonard might have been the second best player in in the playoffs, other than KD, right now. Like just in terms of how well he's playing. I mean, he just went up level those last two games against the Mavericks, and he's been playing amazing against the Jazz as well. Um, so I don't know what what are your thoughts on on this. How does it affect? Like, how do you see this series against the Jazz? Yeah, I think yeah, like it's like no doubt like losing Kawhi is such a big such a big deal for the Clippers, especially since like you said, like he's probably as of right now one of the most consistent players. In the in the playoffs right now, especially there's like a like a meme on Twitter where it, like O2 Kawhi just goes off on like everyone. But yeah, I think for the and the Clippers, I, I still feel like they have a chance of beating they still have a chance of beating Utah. But a lot of a lot of the pressure is now going to be on Paul George. Um, I don't I don't think it's it's going to be to the extent like where there's pressure for KD to perform last night, but. Um, and like as you said, Conley's still Conley's still injured, so that that leaves um, a lot on the table for Donovan Mitchell as well. Like I know they they won they won they won the first two games without him, but the Clipper like Tyler really did a really good job of adjusting um, during that series, like putting more pressure on Donovan, like as he's bringing the ball up, uh, trying to deny it from as much as possible, like forcing other people to create plays for themselves. And that's something that Conley could have helped Mitchell with. So with him being out, um, there's there's still a chance for the Clippers to do well. Especially, oh, I forgot to mention like Reggie Jackson has been pretty solid like these playoffs as well. Like he may not be like a star player, but like just he's been consistent on offense. Like when he's kind of revived his yeah, career. He, yeah, he like, he got a jump. Yeah, I don't know. Like he was on like he was on the cusp of just being a forgotten NBA player. Yeah, he improved. He improved his jump shot like a lot. Like he's a he's a pretty solid shooter now. Like whether it's a like a pull up, like catch and shoot, like he's he really improved his shooting, which kind of I'm pretty sure like extended his career for like another three to five years. Um, but yeah, he's he's gonna come out. I feel like he's gonna come out really big for the Clippers, he, and they're gonna really need him for that off for like that spark of offense. But with Conley out, it's still gonna be hard especially if they're going to keep relying on Donovan Mitchell. And with Conley out, that also means Joe Ingles has to step into the starting lineup, which means the Utah Jazz bench is not as good offensively as it could be. Like, it can't just be Jordan Clarkson. It also can't be George's Niang playing for, like, a solid amount of minutes or, like, Oni. Um, they, they need, like, a second facilitator off the bench to help um, Jordan Clarkson. So um, it's... I don't know. Like for sure, like if if Kawhi, I feel like Kawhi is going to be out for the rest of the series. Like how it how it looks, even if it's not like a ter- like a torn ACL, like it's still like like the swell like the swelling, especially in, like in your knee. It's that's going to be something that's going to take a while to like 
like rehabilitate from, especially even if they make it to the second round or not the second round, the Western Conference Finals against the Suns, and that's going to be a daunting task as well. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate for the Clippers, especially since this was also could have been this could also this could have also been their year to at least make it out of the West, like the West, or even just make it to the Western Conference Finals for the first time, but. Um, like Kawhi said before, like he doesn't care about like making it to the like the Western Conference Finals for the Clippers for the first time. Like, like they want to win the championship. Like that's their ultimate goal. But but just just these injuries and like like you said, like NBA Twitter, like NBA Twitter clowning them and like like no one no one wants to see people get injured. Like every like at least people want to see like the most fair fight. And if the Clippers lose, like fighting, then so be it. But just with the injuries, like. Yeah, it's just it just sucks for this season. It it it's really bad, and it the the, the LeBron tweet uh, that we just saw. Um, part part of what he's talking about is true. Um, what they should have done was not <laughs> uh, start that early. And we all knew that throughout the whole season. We all knew that. Um, but the injuries that are going on uh, in this year's playoffs happened in the playoffs. So let, let's not let's not take let's not get the the narrative of this starting early date for the NBA ruined the playoffs because. We could easily say that next year too. the The finals this year is ending in July, yeah, July. mid July, and there's planning to start normally in uh, in October, and that's again. Well, when you start taking into account uh, training camp and preseason, um, that's a little more than this past season, so if we see the same type of injuries next year, are we going to be blaming, you know, the ending of the finals in July? Are we going to be doing that? Um, we had a lot of guys rest. Kyrie took plenty of days off during the regular season. Um, he happened to land on Giannis's foot. Um, some incident happened to um, happened with CP three in his shoulder. That didn't happen. He was fully healthy throughout the entire season. He was fine. Um, all these other things, Kawhi Leonard, we already know how much rest he's had throughout the entire season. Same with Paul George. Uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, is hobbled right now, uh, but he had a lot of games where he was out. They even held him out out of game one and in round one. Go down the line, James Harden, game one of this series, he goes down with a hamstring injury. That's not from anything that happened in the regular season. Um, well, well, actually, was it his hamstring in the regular season that he got injured? I forget. It might have been, but he was fine in the Celtics series. <laughs> so I really don't... It's not... A, I don't know how to explain this. It's not like... A, not all of these injuries happened because of the lack of off season yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just things just happen. And it just, it just sucks that we have a majority of the NBA stars for the remaining teams left um, to be injured. Um, 
And that's just what it is. Like they had the chance to start in January. It didn't. The MBPA supposedly is supposed to agree with the start yeah, date. They, they have to. They, so they have to, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what, what, what the whole thing is about. Um, I hope this doesn't, I don't know. I, I just don't wish that this season is just going to be chalked up to, well, you know, short off season, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, because that's actually not what happened, but let's go into this coaching stuff because there are actually some coaches that were, <laughs> it's funny when they put uh, mutually agreed to part ways when it's like, okay. Yeah, he, they, he, they fired him. Yeah. He, they straight up <laughs> fired him. So let's start with Sam Van Gundy. We all knew this. I think Sam Van Gundy, mm-hmm. even in the mi- middle of the season, we all knew he was going to get fired. Just the way he managed his team. Yeah. Um, his coaching style doesn't mesh with certain players. There's now going to be probably tons of stories this offseason talking about Brandon Ingram and Sam Van Gundy uh, or the whole Zion stuff. Um, so that makes sense. I don't know. Do you have any other points on Sam? Uh-huh. I, think, I think this makes sense. I feel like they're just going to go for a younger head coach, um, maybe a former player, who knows? Yeah, I think, yeah, Stan, Stan's, like, his, his coaching philosophy doesn't mesh well with the modern, like, at least with this, with this modern game. Like, he, he has a really good basketball mind, which I'm kind of glad he got fired, just so we can hear him in commentary again for TNT. But, uh, yeah, I think just with how with how the Pelicans play, it's not really up to that style anymore. Um, look, honestly, like, I don't know if it's a dark horse or if it's something that might happen, but I kind of want the, like, I kind of want the Pelicans to go after Mike D'Antoni just because I feel like with his, like, off, like his offensive schemes kind of work well for this young team especially like with Lonzo who likes to run the fast break and then Zion like running like in transition. And at least with Ingram, like he doesn't really have like an emphasis on defense. So they can, they can really push the ball on offense. And I think that's just the best case scenario for them. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if Stan, if Stan's going to ever get the coaching job again. <laughs> yeah. He seems more like a, maybe an assistant or something like that. Um, we all know how his GM job in Detroit <laughs> kind of happened. So uh, that that's not even an option. Um, apparently, according to Woj, Pelicans are expected to circle back among some ca- candidates, including Jacques Vaughn, who's a really good assistant, um, and Ime Udoka, who was uh, part of the kind of coaching circle for the Sixers um, this offseason. They're both in Brooklyn. Uh, Charles Charles Lee, who I guess is assistant for Milwaukee, and then Jason Kidd, who has been in some some amount of circles, even with Portland, <laughs> saying that he will not be the next coach of four. That was that was pretty hilarious <laughs> when he said that. Um, also, Washington fires uh, Scott Brooks. Um, they couldn't agree on a new deal, um, but I mean he's getting fired. So so that's. Pretty much what it is. Scott Brooks, it's funny because it's crazy how Scott Brooks has still had a job um, throughout this long with the Wizards and the Thunder. 
um, never really could handle talent. And it makes sense that he's getting fired. I, I really know. I don't know. He, he wasn't that great to take a team over the hump. Um, he's kind of just a guy. I think the, yeah, I think the Wizards, I mean, the Wizards, like, at least for this season, they weren't really expected to do well. Um, it, like, but they had like a really good run in the, in the late half of this, of this season. But yeah, like, like you said, I don't think Scott Brooks is like that coach where you can really get anywhere far, like further. Like he, like maybe people thought that, okay, um, he has like history with Westbrook, like they can probably do something in Washington. But yeah, I, I just, I think there's like a limit to what Scott Brooks can do for a team. And I don't know if like a head, like as a head coach, I don't think, like he's capable of that, maybe an assistant, but yeah, I don't. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> there's it's not really much else to say. Uh, the last few news that happened uh, this morning: one, uh, Donnie Nelson is out as the GM of the Mavericks. We all know about the things that happened for the Mavericks the last week or so. Kind of, there's a story explaining like the rift between uh, the decisions on Luka Doncic. Uh, they traded Seth Curry for Josh Richardson last offseason. That didn't work out. Um, there's little rumblings here and there about how the, the Mavs feel uh, not confident that Luka is going to stay there long term. There's a lot of really underlying stories with the Mavs that kind of slipped out in the last week that is cause for concern, like who's... Uh, whenever you have stories like this where they're leaking information, it's always someone from the organization saying something to reporters. So this isn't out of the blue. It's not fake reporting. There's something going on in the Dallas organization that people aren't agreeing upon. Um, and so that's a really, that's going to be a situation uh, that we need to monitor really close this off season. And last but not least, we have LaMelo Ball winning rookie of the year. Slipped under the radar. Kind of, kind of just threw it out there. The NBA was like, here, let's, let's, let's throw out some good news here. Um, LaMelo Ball, not surprised at all. Um, he had an incredible regular season, uh, even though getting injured with his wrist in the middle of it, um, even though that paved the way for a guy like Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton, I think Lamelo pretty deserving. I mean, he's going to be a star in this league. I think no one has anything else to say about that. Um, Rookie of the year has now just, it, it's just kind of a stat driven uh, award. Like how we see MVP is more of a narrative base and uh, six man of the year is more of like a scoring title for bench players. So this really uh, makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's a yeah. ball. Yeah. Like I think we talked about it in like in the awards, in the awards prediction podcast a couple, like a couple weeks ago. Um, I think you want, you wanted Halliburton, right? You, you, you thought I, I thought Halliburton, Halliburton was yeah. most deserving. Yeah. Sure. And then I, yeah. And then I thought it was, I thought it was going to be Edwards. And mm -hmm. we both had like this sense where Le LaMelo 
kind of missed like missed a substantial amount of games where we thought he was even going to come back for the rest of the season. That's why we gave it to our respective players. But I mean, even like even though like he did get hurt, like in the time he wasn't, like he was already like a clear cut winner. Like he was already like like clear cut above everyone else for um, rookie of the year. And I guess you can make the case that he was um, in the play-in. Like he participated in the play-in tournament. Um, but yeah, like honestly, like any one of those three were deserving. So like with Lamelo getting it, it's like I don't think it's like a problem for the league or for anyone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that too. I think it's uh, it's pretty easy to see that he was rookie of the year. Um, tonight, man, it's gonna be really tough watching tonight's games. Just thinking about what happened today, but we have Hawks Sixers, uh, seven thirty Eastern time. Clippers Jazz. Uh, right afterwards, um, your first initial picks for tonight's games. Um, I think, I think with just how this everything just sudden for the Clippers, I think the Jazz can win this one. Um, just depending on our ball defense on how Paul George like takes this game, but I feel like the Jazz just have like a slight, like a, a pretty slight, a pretty good advantage over the Clippers, so I have them winning. Um, getting that three, yeah, three two, three two lead, mm-hmm. um, and then Hawks Sixers. Uh, I don't really know. If it, it goes back and forth, but I'll just, I'll just say, I'll just say Philadelphia. <laughs> I'll say Philadelphia wins, but not by that much. Uh, same with you. I'm going with Jazz. I'm taking the Hawks tonight. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think Philly last game really fumbled the bag there. Yeah, I think they had a really good chance at the end of the first half to really cement like a 20 point lead going into halftime. Mm-hmm. They let it slip to like 13, I believe 13 or 11 or something. And just like the Bucks did last night, when you let a team hang around like that, Trey Young didn't even shoot that well, but yet mm-hmm. he was still controlling the game at the end of the fourth quarter with his passing and his, his ball handling and just... Um, everything in, that comes with his package that has been amazing this off uh, off season, this playoffs. I have, I see a Trey Young explosion coming <laughs> at some point. It could be tonight in the Sixers house. You put a little more pressure on the Sixers. How healthy is Embiid? He looked terrible in that second half. Like just he was 0 for 12. I didn't even realize when he missed that last shot, uh, that last game tying layup. And I didn't even realize he was 0 for 12 at at that point. I didn't know he didn't make a shot the entire second half. The Simmons stuff is a real problem. And when you don't have Embiid at hundred percent missing Danny green kind of sucks. You're kind of realizing on you're relying on for con Korkmaz at the end of games, hit shots. This has kind of been the problem for the Sixers uh, in the playoffs is it depth is depth. You have Tyrese Maxey out there who's a f- fine rookie, but I don't know what what else is he doing in a big game like this. Um, Matisse Thybul can't really shoot. Uh, Tobias Harris, he's always been Tobias Harris. Like it's not like he rose to an All Star level. He's just being used in a better way this year. But he, Tobias Harris, he is who he is. Um, so I don't know. I I I think the Hawks really believe they could win the series, and if Trey Young shoots 
a little bit better tonight, then they have a really good chance of stealing this game from them. So I'm, I think I'm picking the Hawks tonight, but, uh, thank you again, Raven. Uh, this is, this is great. I think we could go, we could go about our day, try to yeah. take our mind off of something else, Oh my God. I guess from, from this morning's kind of slew of NBA horrible news, but, um, yeah, that's thanks, it. For jo- thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me.